The Productive Woman, Episode 256. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about making difficult decisions. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 256. This episode is brought to you by Blinkist and by the University of California, Irvine. If your goals for this year include advancing in your career or simply taking a course or two for personal enrichment, check out our returning sponsor, the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. Fall quarter's coming up and registration is open. Visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter tpw for 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu edu slash tpw and the code tpw to get 15% off one course. I'll talk a little more about the UCI later on in this episode. But right now I want to give a shout out to another sponsor, a returning sponsor that I'm really pleased to have back. You know, in today's age, it can be really hard to find the time to sit down and learn the things we want to learn. It's not easy when social media can be so addictive and time consuming. And we've got so many things that we've committed to do that we want to do. So you may think you don't have time to read a book or to develop yourself that way. Well, there's an app that can help and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is the only app I know of that takes the best key takeaways, the the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for people like you who have lots of things going on and who maybe want to get the main points of a book quickly without reading the entire book. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. There are around 8 million people using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help to business, from health to history books. I like Blinkist because it allows me in 15 minutes to learn something new, the key points from a book, and get a sense of whether I want to buy and read the entire book. I've actually used it to refresh my memory on some of the key takeaways from books that I've read before, like Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and David Allen's great book, Getting Things Done. Of course, I recommend you read the books, but if you haven't, or if you just want a refresher, definitely check out Blinkist for those two books. I've also been introduced to books that are new to me, like Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, and Emotional Intelligence by David Goleman two that I recommend highly. Well, right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for you as a listener of The Productive Woman. Go to Blinkist.com slash TPW to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist and it's spelled B-L-I-N. 
B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash TPW for a free seven-day trial with unlimited access to thousands of books that are available. Blinkist.com slash TPW. All right, let's get right into our topic for this week. I have received a lot of emails in the last few months with questions about decisions that you are making. And this has come up in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group as well. Decisions that different people are needing to make, especially difficult ones. And what's the process we go through and and the struggles that we sometimes have to make those decisions. And those questions really resonate with me. I myself have struggled with making certain big decisions. And we'll talk in a minute about why that is and what, what my struggle is. The thing is that unmade decisions are stressful. When we are trying to make a decision and it's not made yet, we feel unsettled and uncertain and distracted and torn between the options and, and just having to make that decision. Well, finding ways to make decisions with less anxiety and, and maybe make them more quickly, lets us get on with the business of living, of making our life that matters. You can't make a life that matters without having to make some decisions, some choices among things, decisions about what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go, all those sorts of things. And if we can make those decisions with less anxiety, less stress, then we can be more productive, both in the sense of getting the things done we need to do, but also in the sense of making a life that matters. So that's why I wanted to do a little research here and come up with some maybe ideas that will help all of us in making our decisions, those difficult decisions, a little more quickly with a little less stress. Well, what makes a decision difficult? It can be a lot of things. I think it's different for all of us. Maybe a decision is difficult because there's a cost involved, whether it's a cost of time or money or effort. Am I going to do this thing? Am I going to take on this commitment? Am I going to pursue this goal? Am I going to sign up for this course? Am I, you know, all these sorts of things, if there's a cost involved, it can make it difficult to make that decision. Sometimes it's the perceived impact of the decision. It seems really um, overwhelming because it's important and and it's going to have a huge impact on our life, maybe on the lives of other people. Sometimes what makes a decision difficult is we anticipate Uh, certain reactions of other people in our lives. Maybe we think someone will be disappointed if I choose this over that, or maybe somebody's going to be angry or someone will be sad. And and that makes it difficult to make the decision we want to make. Sometimes what makes a decision difficult is not that we're having to choose between a good thing and a bad thing, but that we're having to make a decision to choose among good options. That has been a challenge for me over time. As I was putting this episode together and kind of thinking about the topic, one of the things that I remembered was when I was deciding about law school. At the time we left for me to start law school, we lived in Nebraska and we were going to move probably. There was a law school near our home that had made me an offer of admission and a, and a full scholarship, but I wasn't sure it was the right school for me. And yet 
any other choice I made was going to involve uprooting my family and moving them to another part of the country. There was the cost of school. There was the perceived impact on my family that made it difficult. But it was also that I had offers from a number of really good schools, that all of them were good options. And what I kept struggling with was, what if I choose the wrong one? You know, I had this idea in my mind that there was one school that was the right school. And if I didn't choose that one, if I chose something else, I was making the wrong choice. But the other thing is, when you choose one, you're giving up all those other options. You're closing the door on those. And that can make a decision really difficult. So what kinds of decisions are difficult? Again, that's very personal, but they're, they're kind of categories of decisions that can be difficult for us. If we're deciding about changing jobs, if we're deciding about whether to end a relationship or start one, you know, maybe we've had a, a proposal of marriage from someone that we that we love very much, but maybe accepting that proposal, deciding to get married means we're going to have to make big changes in our life. Uh, sometimes decluttering is a difficult decision, getting rid of things that are taking up space in our homes, because for all the reasons that we talked about a minute ago, you know, the impact on us, the cost of getting rid of things, of making those changes, uh, giving up something that has emotional weight for us can make it difficult. Moving to a new town or a new house can be difficult. My husband and I are in the midst of discussing whether to sell the farm we've lived at for the last, oh, what is it, 11 or 12 years, and moving to something a little smaller and closer into town. And it's a very difficult decision for us. Another kind of decision that can be difficult is how best to care for a sick child or an aging parent. So many emotions get involved in those kind of decisions, and that kind of thing can make it very difficult. So how do we make decisions? What, what can we do to make it easier to make the right decision or to just make a decision altogether? There are a lot of things that we can do that can help. First thing I would say is to schedule some time to think about it quietly. This is really hard for me. Often it has happened when I've had a big decision to make. There's been a lot of things going on. It's been in the midst of a, a pretty busy time of life. And it doesn't feel like I can go anywhere to just sit and think quietly. I feel sometimes like I'm having to make those decisions on the fly in the midst of chaos. And that's not a great way to make a decision, is it? We need time to think, to process all the things that are making the decision difficult and make a thoughtful, purposeful decision. You really can't think well, at least I can't, when when you're going 100 miles an hour, lots of things going on. And yet when you feel like you can't take the time away from the chaos to think is probably when you most need it. So the first thing I would say is if you've got a big decision 
decision to make, a difficult decision to make, carve out some time, find a way to do it. If it's a really huge thing, maybe you want to get away for a day or two, book a hotel room away from home and think about it. And if it's a decision you're making with your, your spouse, maybe the two of you get away and get someone to look after the kids. If that's an issue, take a couple days off work, get away and really think about it, get some rest and let your mind process it on purpose. Another thing you can do when you're making decisions is to talk to somebody, get the advice of people you trust. I think, you know, when you're making a a difficult decision or a big decision that you're struggling with, it's great to get the input of people you trust, people who will be honest with you, who will give you their best feedback and not try to tell you what you should do. You've got to choose those advisors wisely. I don't think it's helpful to try to get advice from everybody you know, you know, put it out on Facebook and talk to everyone you know. We sometimes will do that. We think I just need a little more input, a little more advice, somebody else who will support the decision that I think I want to make or who will talk me out of doing the thing that I'm not sure I should do. But Sometimes that's our procrastination technique, isn't it? We'll we'll just keep talking about it instead of actually making the decision. So talking through the pros and cons or talking through the decision can be really useful and really helpful, but choose wisely who you get that advice from, who you use as a sounding board, depending on what the situation is. And the next idea that I had, or the thought that I had about this kind of goes along with this idea of talking to others, but choosing wisely. So the third thing is to trust your instincts. You probably know what you want to do, what you should do, and you need to trust those instincts. In the book, The Next Right Thing, which I'm going to share a couple of quotes from this book, because this was a book that I read recently that has been very helpful, gave gave me a lot of food for thought in the area of making decisions. It's called The Next Right Thing by Emily Freeman, Emily P. Freeman. One of the things she says that I underlined in the book and really have been thinking about a lot, she says, when the answers aren't clear, what we want more than anything is peace clarity, and a nudge in the right direction. The problem is we're often looking for direction in all the wrong places. Often the clues to your next decision, to our next decision, remains within us, unheard and undiscovered. And I want to say that again. Often the clues to our next decision remain within us, unheard and undiscovered because we're not listening to ourselves. We're not listening to our heart. We're taking input and feedback from everywhere else instead of going within to, to follow our heart as far as what the right thing for us is. That's why number one above the, you know, scheduled time to think that's why it's so important. We cannot hear our own heart, our own wisdom. If we never give ourselves the time, the space and the quiet to listen, it's really important that we follow our instincts, trust our gut, get wise counsel. Absolutely. But trust your own instincts. Number four, 
the fourth thing that I thought about here was to develop within yourself, give yourself an honest evaluation of the true significance of the decision. Really, is it worth the amount of time you're spending thinking about it? And one way to maybe suss that out is to ask yourself, whatever I'm choosing here, whatever decision I'm trying to make, how much will it matter, say, a year from now? And if the answer is not much, either direction I go, a year from now, it's not going to make much difference, then maybe that tells you something about how much time you should be spending thinking about it. Maybe you should just choose and move forward. Uh, So give yourself that time to make an honest evaluation of how significant this decision really is. Very few of the decisions that we make can never be undone. You know, there are some, but if this isn't one of them, if the decision you're kind of agonizing over is something that, you know, if you head down the wrong path, if it turns out six months from now, should have done it differently. If you have the opportunity to go ahead and change directions, then it's probably not worth spending weeks and weeks and weeks of time and losing sleep over what the answer is. So really think honestly about it. And then the next one is to know your own values and let them guide you. Know and admit to yourself what you want most. Sometimes we know what we want. We don't think it's possible. We don't think we should have it. There's all kinds of reasons why we won't admit to ourselves that what I really want in this situation is this thing. So know know what it is. Let yourself admit what it is you want most and maybe go for that. In the next right thing, Emily Freeman also says, if you don't take the time to admit what you most long for, decisions will still need to be made. But instead of stepping forward in self-awareness, you'll base your decisions on other outward things like expectations, habit, or some other kind of external pressure. So knowing what you value most, knowing what you really want and admitting that to yourself is so key to making a decision that you're going to be happy with in the long run. And then the next one is, and maybe this is kind of the last principle or concept that came to mind as I was thinking about this idea of making difficult decisions is, is this make a decision or make a determination that you will not be governed by the fear of what might be. I think we often hold ourselves back by imagining the worst and running from it. And I know I've done that. I worry about what might happen and I hold off making decisions because I, maybe I don't know what'll happen and I I start to imagine worst case scenarios And that's not a way to live, is it? I mean, we want to be realistic. We want to think about the consequences of the choices that we make. But operating out of fear, is it is it too much to say that's the least productive way to live? If we are holding ourselves back because we are imagining the worst that could happen and trying to avoid that, then maybe we need to think of another approach. One question that Emily asks in the next right thing is uh, that she asks herself when she's making decisions is, am I being led by love 
or pushed by fear? Am I going the direction I'm going as a positive thing, being led by love, as she puts it, or am I trying to avoid something I'm afraid of? Am I being guided by fear or by love? Another way to to look at it. I mean, sometimes negative results come from the decisions that we make. We can't avoid all negative experiences anyway. Those storms will come. Difficulties arise that have to be lived through and survived. We experience dark moments and pretending that we don't is just avoidance. Pretending that we can make a decision that will avoid any chance of a negative outcome is unrealistic. It's not true. We're just avoiding the truth when we act that way. Uh, We are going to experience challenges. We are going to experience difficulties. We are going to experience negative outcomes in life. That's true. And doing a rational analysis of that is part of decision-making, knowing what the outcomes might be and preparing ourselves to live with those. But as Emily says, Emily Freeman in the next right thing, she says, it's another thing altogether to create a storm in our head and then make our decisions based on a possible scenario that hasn't even happened. That would be like naming the whole story is doomed before it has even begun. We can't prevent storms from coming, but we can decide not to invent our own. I love that so much. I want to say that again, because I want you to really, if you are holding off making a decision or leaning toward a a decision because of fear of what might happen, if you choose another way, think about this. We can't prevent storms from coming, but we can decide not to invent our own. That is not to make our decisions based on worst case scenarios, things that might happen, you know, if everything went wrong. We can prepare ourselves for difficulty, but to let fear drive our decisions I don't think it's a very productive way to live, I guess. And I'm talking to myself here because I, I have been known to choose to avoid decisions out of fear of the the potential negative outcome or to choose the so-called easy way because I was afraid of what could happen if I went for what I really wanted. And I'm guessing you may have done a similar thing. And so I encourage myself and you to, to think about that and be more intentional about being led by love rather than pushed by fear. So what are, there are tools out there for making better decisions. Uh, and I, as I was researching this and I'll put links in the show notes to these resources so you can look at them yourselves in more detail of how they all work. And so several of what I'm going to list below are described very well in a YouTube video I saw by a woman named Michelle B. I think she's Australian or maybe from New Zealand. It's a recommended video. I'll put a link in the show notes and she goes into more detail about some of these. So one of them she recommends is something called the 10, 10, 10 rule. So if you're trying to make a decision between two options, so maybe one example would be for my husband and and me, we're trying to decide, 
Are we going to stay where we are? Or are we going to sell this house and move to a, another house here in town, maybe a little closer to where he works? What Michelle B. described as this 10-10-10 rule is you apply it to each of the options. So if we stay, for instance, where we are, if we make the decision that we're going to stay in the house we're in, how will you feel in 10 minutes? How will it impact you in 10 months? And how will it impact you in 10 years? And then apply those same questions to if we make the decision that we're going to move to a specific other house, okay? We've looked at some and gone back and forth about them and and say, we're deciding we're going to buy this house. We're going to sell where we are, move to this other house. If I make that decision, how will I feel in 10 minutes? How will it impact me in 10 months? How will it impact me in 10 years? So that's the 10, 10, 10 rule that maybe you can use if you're considering two options or two or more options, applying those questions to each of them. Another one that Michelle B. recommended or suggested is what she calls the outsider's perspective. So you pretend you're looking at this decision you're making uh, as an outsider, And one way to do that is, she says, pretend you're the protagonist in a novel you're reading. You're reading this book and this character is agonizing over this this decision. And if look at it from the outsider's perspective and you find yourself saying, well, why doesn't she just do this? The answer's obvious if you're looking at it as an outsider. So that's one way to do that. Another way to apply the outsider's perspective is to pretend... Well, she said to pretend you've just been transported into your body. So, or you wake up and you have amnesia and you can't remember any of your past decisions. So you can only look at the current situation, apply whatever skills and knowledge you currently have. What do you do next? So that's another tool you can use if if you're struggling with the decision. A third one is, is what I'm calling the next right thing approach. And that's from the Freeman book that I've mentioned before. Set aside your dithering about long-term outcomes and uncertainty in the big picture, huge decision. What, where am I going to go, you know, with the rest of my life and ask yourself, what's the next right thing to do? right now. I mean, literally right now, what should I do next? And maybe that's take a nap. Maybe it's uh, talk to somebody. But instead of the long term, come back into the immediate, what's the next right thing to do? And, and then the next thing, you know, then you do that. And what's the next thing after that? And the next thing after that. So that's another way. A fourth one, And this comes again from Michelle B's YouTube video, and she referenced Tim Ferriss as her source for this. She called it fear setting. And that is, you know, if you're agonizing over a decision, all right, for each of the options, ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? So define your fears. What is it you're afraid of that's holding you back from making the decision to take action? 
So that's the first step to find the fear, write it down, sit down with your journal or with a notebook and, and just write out everything you're afraid of. I'm afraid that the people I love are going to think I'm crazy and they're going to have me committed to a mental institution and I'll never, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're afraid of, take it all the way to the, the, the worst possible outcome, write that down. Okay. Every terrible thing you can think of that's holding you back. And then the next step is to create a prevention plan. How would you keep those terrible things from happening? What steps could you take to prevent those horrible outcomes? So if you're afraid that if you do this thing that you want to do, you know, your, your loved ones are going to think you've lost your mind and they're going to have you committed to a mental institution. How can you avoid that? Maybe sit down and talk with them and show them um, you know, the rational reasons why you want to do the thing, create a repair plan. What will, what would you do if the terrible things did happen? Okay. And then, so that's define your fears, create the prevention plan, create a repair plan. And then the fourth thing is define the consequences of inaction. What would happen if you do nothing? What will you miss out on in six months, in five years, in 10 years, if you don't do this thing, you're trying to decide, um, you know, write that out. Think about what am I going to miss out on in the near future and in my distant future if I don't do anything? Because that's what you're doing right now, right? That's what we do. If we're not deciding, we're, we're, we're just treading water. What, what are the consequences if we don't make a decision, if we don't take this step we're thinking of doing? And finally, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting to make this decision? And if, if it's doesn't make sense to you after you've gone through these steps, then just make the decision move forward. As I was listening to uh, Michelle B talking about this in her YouTube video, it reminded me of some of the things that Brooke Castillo has talked about in her, the life coach school podcast that how usually the thing you fear most is you're already experiencing it. So what do you have to lose? You know, if I, if I don't change jobs, if I, if, if I change jobs, um, it might not work out and I might not be successful at it. And, and, um, you know, I, I won't be happy at it. Well, you're already not happy at the job you're, you're at. That's why you're thinking of making a change. So you're already experiencing unhappiness and maybe a lack of success at work. So what do you have to lose if you go for it? Um, often we fail ahead of time by not trying. And if we really take a step back, we realize the thing we're afraid is, uh, of happening, the thing that's holding us back from taking that step is just another version of what we're already experiencing right now. So maybe it's time to just go for it. But I love the idea of really thinking through what is it you're afraid of and what could you do to keep those terrible things from happening? Another suggestion that I read in several resources that I really like is kind of experiment first and then decide. Try it out on a small scale to see how you feel about it. Um, one of the examples often given for this particular approach is if you're thinking about moving to a new city, um, visit there first. Go spend some time there, not as a tourist, but uh, doing the sorts of things you do if you lived there. Um, 
whatever those kinds of things may be. Give it a try. See how you like it. Maybe you hate the weather and you realize, no, I don't want to live there. I'm going to consider a different option. Or maybe you discover, wow, I love this place. Yes, I, I definitely want to live here. So uh, another example or another tool that um, was given in the, the YouTube video was what she called present me thinking. And this one I think is really good for uh, applying in decluttering. Um, and this, this is because we tend to value things we already have, things that we've invested time or money or both in more than things we don't have yet. And so present me thinking uh, as applied to the example of decluttering is as you're going through items, say in your closet and you pull out a, a, a dress or a blouse or a pair of jeans that you haven't worn for a long time, but you hate to get rid of it because you spent a lot of money on it. Um, and so present me thinking is, would I, if I didn't already own this and I came across it in a store, would I pay money to buy this now? And if the answer is no, then put it in the discard pile. So thinking about that, if I, another example maybe was if, um, I'm trying to decide whether to change jobs and comparing to, you know, stay, stay where I am or apply for this other job that I've heard about. Present me thinking would be if I saw the posting for my current job, knowing what I know now, would I apply for it? Would I try to get this job that I have now uh, if I was um, looking for a job right now? And if the answer is no, maybe that tells you something, you know? So that, those are some tools that we can use. And again, I recommend, um, that video, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. It's not real long, but just some really uh, good ideas in there. I guess the answer, uh, the, the bottom line for us is we have decisions that we have to make both large and small. Some of us dither over small, um, decisions. Some of us are good at the small ones, not so good at the important ones. But remember that not deciding is a decision. If you don't choose, you have chosen to, to be in stasis, to stay where you are and not move forward. Uh, I, I think one of the things that has helped me is to really remember that there seldom is only one right answer when we are making decisions, whether it's about where to go to school or what job to take or wh what house to buy or, you know, what to have for dinner, <laughs> seldom is there only one right answer. And we can make anything work. No matter what decision we make, we can usually make a good life out of it. This has been hard for me because my husband and I have often joked that, you know, all our lives, we have this like deep felt fundamental belief that in any situation, there is only one right decision and every other decision is wrong. And the fact is, that's just not true. We can, uh, no matter what direction we go, we can make it work if we want to. And if, if after making the effort, after making the choice, we head a certain direction, if it feels wrong, we can always make adjustments. We can turn, turn back. We can turn to the side a little bit. We can modify the decision. 
um, we can almost always make adjustments to make it work for us. It's much easier, though, to steer a moving ship than to get one started. So for all of us, I would say, let's make a decision. Use the tools that are available to us. Recognize that we need time to think about it, but we don't need forever to think about it. Uh, make, make a decision, take steps in that direction, make adjustments as we need to, and move forward in making the life that we want to make for ourselves. So those are my thoughts on this. I wonder what you think. Are there certain types of decisions that you struggle with? Or have you found tools or approaches that really help you make big decisions with a minimum of stress and anxiety? I'd love to know what those are. You can share your questions about this or your thoughts, your ideas, the tools that have worked for you uh, in the comments section for this episode of the show notes, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 256. You can also post a comment or question or an idea, thoughts on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're part of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, definitely let's continue the conversation there as well. That's a great place to do that. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, your comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Before we go, I just want to say thanks to our sponsor, the University of California Irvine Division of Continuing Education. They provide learning pathways for those who are seeking career advancement or personal enrichment through a wide range of educational opportunities. This is no fly-by-night operation either. UC Irvine is ranked among the top 50 universities in the United States and ranked seventh among all public universities in the U.S. News and World Report annual college survey. And the Division of Continuing Education offers courses and certifications taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to tech, project management, law, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs. 100% online courses offers convenience and flexibility and a truly immersive online classroom experience that even incorporates collaboration with your peers, something you need to be able to do in the workforce. UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable, providing you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing to level up. Open enrollment means there are no applications to complete. You just log in and sign up and you can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certification program. You have control over your academic plan. As I'm talking now, the fall quarter is coming up and registration is open now. So to get more information, visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter tpw to get 15% off one course. So again, I'll say it a little slow, more slowly. That's ce.uci.edu slash tpw and the code tpw to get 15% off one course. This offer is only valid until December 31st of 2019. So don't wait. Sign up now. 
And remember Blinkist special offer for the Productive Woman listeners. Visit Blinkist.com slash TPW to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash TPW for the free seven-day trial. And thank you so much to Blinkist and to the UCI Division of Continuing Education for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you felt it was worthwhile and that you found something in this that's helpful to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic we talked about today. I look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Thank you.